On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Erwin Zito, a.k.a. Mr. Hamilton. Stay tuned. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hi, and welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Andrew LaFleur here, your host as always. And on today's episode, as I said, we have a very special guest, Erwin Zito. Erwin is a is an investor. He's a realtor. He's a fellow podcaster. He's got a great podcast. You should check it out. And he is organizing a very interesting conference coming up uh, in November 2019, depending on when you're listening to this, coming up soon. And it's called the Wealth Hacker Conference. So we talked about his journey as a real estate investor and uh, all the interesting things he's up to now, getting more and more into other forms of investing, not just real estate, as he likes to call it, wealth hacking. And he's got a cool conference coming up, which if you listen to the end, you'll get a special discount code. Make sure you listen to the end for that if you want to go to this conference coming up. So, without further delay, here's my interview. Sit down with Erwin Zito. Enjoy. Erwin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Awesome to have you here. Fellow podcaster in the real estate world and fellow um, real estate agent and also somebody who works with investors uh, and does does this for a living. So, great to have you here. Looking forward to chatting with you today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. uh, It's been a long time coming in, in many ways. So, um, love to hear your story, Erwin. Tell us about the, the first, your first real estate purchase. Was it, was it for yourself or was it an investment? And tell us the story of, of that. First purchase is actually an interesting story because it wasn't my idea. I was actually against it. It was my girlfriend at the time. Uh, we were, we were fresh graduates and it was her idea. She had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I hadn't read the book yet. Okay. I was coming straight out of business school, so I had all these ideas that you could make a lot of money in your job, and uh, stock market was the right thing to do. Uh, it was, so I advised against it. She uh, she didn't listen to me. Thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> so we bought yeah. uh, a little bungalow in uh, downtown Burlington. Um, bought it for like a hundred fifty-six thousand, something like that. Needed a lot of work. One hundred and fifty-six thousand for a bungalow. Yeah, yeah. Two bedroom, one bath. What was the lot size? Uh, it wasn't big. It was the it was a corner. It was a corner lot. Um, it was a small lot, so it wasn't even thirty feet wide. Okay. And maybe sixty feet deep, uh, but it's downtown Burlington, which is uh, a very hot market uh, because you can walk down to the lake. You walk mm-hmm. downtown. Uh, we didn't really know all these things, so we what, didn't really know what anything. Y- what year was this? This was, I think, 2005. Okay. Yeah. Maybe earlier, maybe a little bit yeah. earlier. But again, it wasn't my idea. Um, <laughs> you were firmly against it. I <laughs> I recall saying, why don't you just get a BMW instead? No. Yeah. no you I said that? Literally. No, literally. I literally said that. That's those awesome. Words. So what you were, you were renting at the time? Uh, I was probably still living at home. Oh, okay. Um, you were living I, I grew up home. in Markham. I was yep. still living with my parents. Uh, okay. She was still living at home as well. So we were, this was actually meant for uh, rental purposes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, straight out of school. Um, again, like Rich Dad Poor Dad taught, uh, you know, don't house their liabilities, buy investment property. So that's what she did. And I'm not a handy person. And I was, you know, 
uh, I've never been raised that way, never been done much stuff. And there was a lot of work to do. I remember cutting my hands on these cheap plastic wall tiles in the bathroom as we're trying to remove them. Okay. And it was not fun right? <laughs> for someone who thinks that you can make money sitting down at a computer, just trading, just buying and selling stocks. Right. So, uh, that later proved wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we rented it out. It was a great experience. And then we eventually, eventually moved into it. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. And then, uh, we so were, how long did you rent it out for? We rented it out for a couple years. I think maybe three. Okay. Was it like cash that? flowing? Uh, at the time, and, and even still, like that market never cash flow, never drew good you, rents. You bought, you bought a house for 150 G's, and yeah. it didn't cash flow. Uh, not much. <laughs> nothing reasonable. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So, uh, like, what do you remember? What the rent was that that first tenant? What were they paying you? It's so long ago. I would guess in the low thousands. Like less like, than fifteen hundred. Oh no, not even close to that. Our like second house we got, I think we maybe got like thirteen hundred for, uh, on the same street. Uh, I think we probably were getting maybe eleven hundred. Eleven hundred. Yeah, 1, yeah okay. for a fully renovated uh, two bedroom, one bath. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, what was your thinking at the? So your thinking at the time was you were you were not really in favor of it. Your your girlfriend was sort of pushing you. Uh, to do it at the time, like what, what was the moment in time where it, it first clicked for you where you're like, Hmm, okay. I, I get this now. Real mm -hmm. I get this real estate investing mm -hmm. thing. Like, do you remember, is there, was there a day or a moment where you're like, ah, there was two moments. The first one was, uh, cause this was 2004, 2005. And then the credit crisis hit 2007. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then my, my, uh, my genius stock market portfolio of mainly small caps, uh, so low capitalization stocks, you know, not very mature companies. Okay. That portfolio got completely slaughtered. Wow. I, ha I had some go to zero, get wow. delisted. Uh, I probably lost at least 40 to 60% pretty quickly. Oof. And then on the same hand, on the other hand, uh, at that time we probably had about four or five properties with my, uh, with my girlfriend and her family as our partners and it was doing great. Yeah. We'd have a vacancy and then we'd have three applications. And this is how, this is how little we knew about real estate investing. We'd actually ask for cash or cash equivalent with your submission of your tenant application. Okay. And people would give it, people <laughs> okay. would give it because if you think back, there was no credit because this is credit crisis. Okay. People still needed a place to live. Right. So we have a vacancy, rent went up and people would g give us money to apply. You would to take like, it. like an a, a, a application fee, you mean, or yeah. you mean like We'd take first like months, give us first month, oh, 200 bucks cash yeah. just to look at your application yeah. and people would pay it. This is, he was serious. We didn't wow. really know what we were doing. And we get like okay. three on the first day. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then we, we quickly stopped doing it because it was a pain in the ass to return the money. Right. Right. <laughs> it's cash. Yeah. You know, yes. We yeah. don't, we're not going to deliver it. There's no Uber at the time. No. Uh, and, and then, so I have my slaughtered stock stock portfolio because okay. I didn't know what I was doing. So this is like late 2008 you're talking. Yeah. This is 2010, 2007, 2008. Yeah. Uh, and our, and on the other hand, our real estate portfolio was doing wonderfully. Yeah. Even though the rents keep going up, the rents kept going up. Values. We had more tenant applications going up during a, a, the, the greatest recession of, yeah. of our time than you did before. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, because people still need people a stop to buying. Live. Yeah. Late 2008, early 2009, everybody stopped buying. Mm -hmm. There was mm -hmm. a six, eight month period there where it was like, right. 
And our regret is actually we didn't buy more. We only bought one during that period. Right. Right. Yeah. Everybody has the same regret. Yeah. And then the second. (laughs) But it was such a short window of time, and then and then things. It was. It was. We all, everyone was kind of like holding their breath, and it was so bad in the states, and we were just like, everyone was kind of surprised at how short it was. It was just that six month Mm -hmm. period, and then it was like, okay, we're wait, everything's revving up again. What's going on here? Yeah, it didn't last long. It no. was almost, you almost didn't notice it. Yeah. Like if you weren't watching prices every day or every month or every week, you didn't, I, we honestly weren't that sophisticated right. and we didn't watch it that closely. Right. We just knew that our, our cash flow was improving. Right. So you started in like 2005, but you're saying it wasn't really until like that 2008 moment that you sort of, you had your conversion experience, so to yeah. speak, into the real estate investing world and you sort of, okay, this whole stock market thing Mm -hmm. is not working for me, but this real estate thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly it. But again, we were, we were still very novice. Yeah. Learning on our own. Right. Uh, And then we had a tenant teach us. (laughs) Uh, The the story goes, they were, they were desperate. They're just moving to town for work. Okay. Uh, It, it was bad. Like we, even one of their sin numbers came back with nothing. So either they gave us the wrong sin or, or they lied with yeah. the SIN number, so okay. we got no credit report. Period. Okay. And uh, you know, we thought we'd do them a solid. Okay. They didn't return. I don't the like favors. where this is going. Oh no! <laughs> first and so last this was, bounce. This was your first tenant from hell experience. Yes. Yes. Okay. It wasn't even really tenant from hell. It's more uh, fraud, criminal. Uh, criminal in that they didn't pay us. Right. Right. They didn't cause damage or anything like that, or they stay. Yeah, that's criminal. I don't pay you. <laughs> that is, let's all the investors out there listening. If, the, if your tenant is not paying you, that is criminal. It's against the law. <laughs> so that yeah. is called stealing. <laughs> so lesson for anyone is, you yeah. know, make sure you have the money before you give them keys. Cause then we gave them keys without, ah. without having um, proof okay. that the money came through. Okay. So we changed. So all these things that we're being taught by our tenant. Okay. Uh, we never really saw any money from them again. So we had to go through the process being new, we hired a lawyer, so that was expensive as well mm. to represent us at the landlord uh, tenant board, right? Yeah, to get them out, and uh, but yeah, it took you know that whole process probably cost us somewhere around ten thousand dollars, and that doesn't even, the dollars don't even compare to the mental stress and time and time, yeah, because we all went, we um, most of us went to tribunal. Wow. Right? Okay. So my uh, my wife, she became my wife. She's now my ex-wife, okay. and my father-in-law. And can you imagine you're investing with family and things are going sideways like this? <laughs> Not fun times around the dinner table at Thanksgiving. No, wasn't fun times. <laughs> wasn't fun times. Okay, so what? Speaking so, like now you're 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 uh, more well more than a decade into this journey. Mm-hmm. What is your, you know, having gone through you know a very bad situation and probably other situations as well? What what's your main? Um, mindset or your main piece of advice for investors when it comes to avoiding that type of scenario, when it comes to selecting a tenant, what is, what's your, you know, what do you tell people today based on what your experiences you've had? Right. So the simplest thing to do is just hire a very qualified property manager. Hmm. Right. Even, even if you don't want to go that route, you can go like a no frills route have a paralegal review the tenant application okay <laughs> like have an actual expert set of eyes look at something right uh, and then uh, a longer solution would be get trained properly right 
read everything you can on the subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, join other networks that teach these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Take courses. On educate yourself. Educate yourself. Bottom line. Like myself, uh, because I saw the opportunity mm-hmm. for uh, income replacement to grow my wealth, I took this very seriously. So I've educated myself. Like I look at, I look at all, the, I, I look at all the years I put into into formal education. You know, elementary school, high school, university, and that may, helped me make a good income. But here's something that's gonna take care of me and probably generate, all future generations. Create wealth. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. then I was willing to put that sort of same type of effort into learning that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've done. Yeah. So interesting. So when you, like you said, when you're growing up, like you didn't have, you didn't have a, a real estate person in your family. You didn't have an example of a, a real estate investor or a, a, like, did you have business people in your lives? Like now you've become a very successful investor and business person. Um, you know, a lot of successful business people, what they have in common is, is they came from business families and backgrounds, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, it sounds like you did not. I did not, even though I graduated from business school. You kind of fell into it almost backwards, like reluctantly, it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You're kind of pulled into the world, it sounds like. And then once you fell into it, you said, okay, let let me educate myself Mm -hmm. and and get myself up to speed here. I almost arrived. And now you're teaching others, of (laughs) course. (laughs) I almost arrived to where I am because other things weren't working. Mm -hmm. Because I graduated right after 9-11 happened. Mm Mm-hmm. So the job market was, it was crap. It was terrible. Yeah. Uh, Everything up to that point was really to train myself to get a good job. And then the job market was destroyed. And then, but I was also trained to um, be a good stock person, be a good investor, got slaughtered. So what's working and what was working was real estate. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, to your point, I didn't have that business guidance back uh, early on. Um, even though I went to business school, it was really to train to become, get a job. It wasn't, uh, what wasn't enough focus on, uh, starting a business. Mm-hmm. And then even my own family, like my, my, my father, my, my mother, I, I thank them every day for what they went through to get me here. Um, uh, but my dad's a doctor. He, mm-hmm. he wor- he trades his time for money. <laughs> it's a good rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. there's no talk about, you know, starting a business, having right. a real estate portfolio. Right. Cause even his own portfolio, his investments were very late. Uh, I think I, I'm pretty sure I was investing years before he ever invested. Uh, so it was actually my, uh, my girlfriend's dad that introduced business to me hmm. because I saw, wow. So this is like sounding like a, a, a real life, rich dad, poor dad yeah. situation. Yeah. Because <laughs> He's a, pl- he was a, he's a plumber. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is awesome. Yeah. This is, this, this is like a, this is a movie script. <laughs> Your dad's the doctor. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, who's, who's trading his time for a very good rate, yeah, but yeah. yet investing side, just not, not part of the mindset. Mm-hmm. And then your girlfriend's dad is, is a plumber mm-hmm. trading his time for a, a much lower rate, mm-hmm. but he's got the, the investor mindset. Mm-hmm. Investor mindset. And also he had an entrepreneur, entrepreneur mindset as mm-hmm. well because he had plumbers working for him. Ah. So he was able to scale that way. Okay. And he lived a very nice lifestyle. And like, wow, I was, didn't know this. Because right. when you're growing up, especially a, an immigrant family, you're not yeah. told to go get a trade, to learn a trade to make lots of money. 
Right. right? <laughs> but here we are. Like, I have a living example of a tradesperson yeah. who's doing very well for himself. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, rich dad, poor dad. Not that my dad's poor by any means. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But it's, it's going, of course, we're talking about mindset. Right. We're talking about philosophy and approach. And, and, and like you said, the trading your time for money approach mm-hmm. versus the, oh, how do you describe it? The, the leveraged life, the, the business, like how do you, how do you talk about it? Uh, the way I talk about it is if you want to be successful without going to med school or going to become a lawyer, those sorts of things, like yep. there's three pillars to becoming very wealthy. One is business. I don't need to talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. You have a business. Mm-hmm. One is real estate, which has done well for both of us and our clientele. Yep. And then there's stocks, uh, if done properly. So this whole world of building business and having employees was quite foreign to me mm-hmm. until I read Rich Dad Poor Dad myself, right? I'd, and I'd always had the employee mindset uh, for you know for the for, the, for a, up to the age of twenty five, roughly. Right. Right. And then it was pretty funny how quick, quickly that switch happened, where I quickly. Uh, became unemployable in my opinion <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> because even right. though as an employee yeah everything i was doing was uh figuring my way out right of uh, of, of employment yeah even though uh, i'm an not F- somebody that you want to hire no no <laughs> this guy uh, wants to figure out how to get out of here should we hire him or not <laughs> there are some, there are parts to that though because i yeah. for like the people that i want to jump ship and like go you know i want to quit my job today and be a full-time investor like yeah. i i honestly haven't seen that happen that often right uh, and i knew that wasn't me either so my plan was create as much value as possible at my work in order to receive the most income possible okay so that i could get more mortgages for more properties Right. So, so I was still, so even though I was figuring my way out, Mm -hmm. I was still ethically responsible. And also I needed the income to go to, um, to, in order to get the future I wanted. So when did you transition from like the, the world as, as an employee and to, to being on, on your own, your own business, doing this full, like full time? It was 2010. Uh, I could, I could no longer work with the real estate agent uh, broker owner I was working with to to do investments. He actually gave me advice that uh, didn't that actually probably cost me quite a bit of money. He uh, he honestly said, "Oh, you make money in real estate by you buy something and it goes up. All real estate goes up." Okay. Uh, and then I said to him, um, "Look, there's some research here that if I buy new the, near this new highway, it'll help the value." go up for the property, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically the Red Hill Valley Parkway in Hamilton. Okay. Right. And he said, Oh, that's not true. It's already priced in. Okay. And, uh, if anyone wants to go look back at what the prices were in 2010 (laughs) compared to what they are today, compared to other area values, he was very wrong. Uh, and so it was at that point that he didn't, we didn't understand each other. Okay. So when did you get your real estate license? It was then. Because you, you didn't get your license till around 2010. Yes. Okay. So you were investing for about five years. Uh, you went through the recession period, you're, mm-hmm. but you're still working that whole time yes. as an employee, yes. um, doing your thing. Um, and then around 2010, you, you, that's when you shifted over. Yeah. Uh, probably a little bit before that, because it, I did a phased approach, uh, being a pragmatist conservative person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the license actually was just to do our own portfolio. Right. Because uh, you were just buying and selling your, your a lot of stuff. So not a lot of stuff, but enough. Again, yeah, to, you say a lot of people, uh, investors, just let me just get my real estate license because I'm, 
I'd rather just do it myself if I'm uh, doing a bunch of properties. Before that decision was made though, I was actually, I was looking for an agent because I was doing well at work. I wasn't really, the, I wasn't as far as ambitious back then as I am now today. Uh, but I looked for an agent, couldn't find someone that was specific to what I was looking for. So then I got my license to do our own, to trade our own portfolio. I belonged to a network uh, and my friends were there and they knew what I was up to and they asked, can you help me? Because mm. I'm no different than you. I can't find the help I need. Right. That understands economic fundamentals, who understands, you know, how to run this like a business. Right. So then I started uh, servicing friends uh, from uh, who were all real estate investors already. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I was coming to the realization, um, this is a better, this is a better everything for me. Right. I can make more money. Yeah. I'm not tied to a desk that right. I have to commute an hour for each way. Yeah. Uh, I can help more people versus the job I had where I had a, uh, I worked for a company nicknamed big, big blue. Okay. <laughs> I think most people can guess who that was, yeah. but I could, I could create more change for people. I could out give more value if I was servicing investor clients. And that's, that was how I made the switch. Interesting. Yeah. So I actually took a sabbatical. So I, I'm only sharing this because I think people tend to jump into things too quickly. Mm -hmm. So I, I took a sabbatical to see if I can actually make a run out of this. Um, again, a conservative approach, see if I liked it before I quit the job. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back, I, I resigned. Wow. Yeah. How long was the sabbatical? Just four weeks. Oh, four. Okay. Yeah. That was a quick one. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I resigned. In Europe, that's called a long weekend. <laughs> I resigned, but then uh, we negotiated. Oh, I didn't want to leave them high and dry because I'm not like that. Because my, my boss is wonderful. I had a really good job. Yeah. A uh, highly right. respected job. Nice. Um, it wasn't like, yeah, you wasn't like you hated your job. You no. hated your life. It was, yeah, that was good, but. No, it was, I, as far as jobs and lifestyles go, I had it pretty good. Yeah. A lot of people said, don't do this. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and, but I, you know, it was a phased approach. I said, I do two days. They asked for, they asked for three. I said, stay two days. And then, okay. I, then it was getting painful right. to be there. Uh, I had the realization that just easy math. It's mm -hmm. costing me money to be here. Right. So I went down to one and then eventually left completely. Talk to me about your, your philosophy in terms of like what you're buying now and what you're looking for now in terms of your, your, where you're at in your own per portfolio of investments and, and, and sort of how it's changed over your career. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, I find it, it's an evolution that we all go through as investors. You know, you start somewhere and you, and you go somewhere and you end up somewhere else. Um, and the way that you approach it and the way you think about deals, it changes. Um, you know, for a while you were obviously heavily branded uh, and known as Mr. Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And I think I saw on your license plate when you rolled in, it says Mr. <laughs> Hamilton, which is awesome. Um, but I think now, uh, as I observe you from the outside, it seems like you're, you're, you're moving away from, from being known as Mr. Hamilton and, and focusing on Hamilton investments into, into other stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess, yeah, to summarize, what are you, what are you looking to buy right now in your portfolio and, and how is and, and, and how did you get there? Like, how did you, how did it evolve over the years for you personally? So at the beginning being amateurs, we'd almost offer on anything we saw for sale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing out offers all yeah. over the place kind yeah. of thing. Looking for deals. Looking that was for, the, that looking, was the approach. Uh, we were more serious. We okay. were looking to win. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and as beginners though, you don't have context. And by context, I mean, if you're doing the art strategy, like we ended up buying a house from, from, 
the 1880s oh, with man. a log foundation. Oh. Right? So uh, I mentioned earlier I, was, I got divorced, yeah. and that was the, the happiest house to get to give up in the divorce. Because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> that was a money pit. And then, and then oh, as, wow. as you mature as an investor, you see more properties, yes. you under, you have more context, right? If right. you see 20 properties, you don't know really what a good property looks like. Yeah. And as I saw more properties, like, okay, this is the style I like. Mm-hmm. So I like less old properties, not right. from the 1880s. I invest primarily, um, my special, my preferred properties usually age like 1950, 1960, okay. because uh, they often have basements that I can turn into legal apartments. And that's not the only strategy. The last property I bought was a student rental. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, as someone who's a bit uh, experienced, uh, if a good deal comes to me, I'll evaluate it as to what the best thing to do with it is. Mm-hmm. For example, I have another property that uh, I'm, I'm going to rent out by the room for like $800 a room right. in a furnished house. Wow, okay. Right. So I'm going to generate like $3,200 a month uh, on a property I paid 320000 for wow. years ago, years ago. Yes. Right. So, uh, but for our clientele, mostly it's legal basement suites. It's a, it's an easier strategy in terms of the ongoing management, uh, because it's not, not everyone's fit to handle students or uh, renting out by the room. Right. So where, like, yeah, where, where are you, where are you, what areas are you looking to buy now? Like what, what are, what towns or pockets are, or are you agnostic on location? It's really just about the property. Like where? Uh, I am, where are you looking now? Where, I believe or, so, for myself, I like to invest close to, to where I live. Okay. Right. And also where I have resources that we can deal with my, uh, ongoing management. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're I, pretty hands on. You like to be hands on with, with uh, your stuff. Yes. No, I try to be less and less. Okay. Uh, but I believe that if say the say the water say the basement is flooding, mm-hmm. I can be there in an hour to shut off the water if I have to. Have you ever dealt with a basement flood? Yes. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. More than one. Uh. Yep. Two. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of properties, yeah. so it's bound. This to is happen. why I like condos. By yeah, the way. Side yeah. side note: plug for condos, everybody. <laughs> uh, you know that if you listen to the podcast. But, um, so but it, so in, so you like to be close proximity to where you are. I mean. What's, what's sort of the last, what, like, what's the most recent property that you've purchased and, and why did you buy it? Like, what, what? Last one, uh, it came to me from a wholesaler. Okay. So the last property I bought was actually very close to McMaster University. Okay. So that's one of the one I mentioned that, yeah. um, one of my couple, uh, couple student rental properties. Okay. So, uh, so I rented to eight, uh, eight students, eight students. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> I don't know where eight came from. There's four students. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't Double know where eight. eight. I probably had the eight hundred dollar number in my head from before, but right, I rent right, the right. rooms for six fifty a room. Yeah. Right. And then if you're a parent, can you imagine that you're paying over seven thousand dollars for rent a year? Right. So. Which is cheap, actually. Uh, compared to nowadays, what you're usually looking at yeah. 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 This is just a room though, too. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, lots. Of, I mean, just mean lots of students are. Obviously, if you're a student in say downtown Toronto, you're you know. Mm-hmm. You're you're never gonna find anything for six fifty. Um, you're paying way way more than that. Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, back in back in the day when we were at university, you know, four hundred bucks for a room was, in my at least for me, that was like a high number. Right. Right. <laughs> but now, yeah, like 
650 is, is mm-hmm. probably a low number, I'm guessing, even at Mac, or is uh, that? No, that's a pretty high number. Is it? Yeah, it's okay. a pretty high number. I don't know many people that get uh, over six, really. Okay. Um, and then also, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, so my wealth is largely created because my wealth, my um, real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's true for almost all investors and a lot of rich people in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, I'm very overweighted in real estate. So, uh, more recently I'm actually, um, selling stock options as well. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's something completely different. Okay. So you're going back in time to your mm-hmm. former life in a way. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different in that. Uh, I, that's why I specified I was doing small cap stocks back then. Okay. Hoping like hoping that they'll run good businesses and be someday become like a Microsoft. Right. Okay. Uh, didn't happen. Didn't work out. <laughs> so now actually instead I will sell, I, I will actually invest in companies like Microsoft. Uh, I put simply the most simple way to put it is that I'm paid to buy mark blue chip companies like Microsoft. Okay. Uh, that Microsoft pays a dividend, uh, and I can do it at prices that I want. And the worst case is, I'm hold, I'm an owner. I'm owning shares of Microsoft, hmm. and then even more simple, like I've been doing TD, like TD Bank and Bank of Nova Scotia. So I'm not recommending anyone do these things. I'm just explaining what I do. Disclaimer, 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 disclaimer. <laughs> and then people, yeah. and then for for people outside looking in, I know you're thinking, oh, you could lose lots of money, and then and then I'm thinking, if I lose a lot of money on companies like TD and Bank of Nova Scotia. The world is probably ending. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you yeah. should get off social media with me and go. We, you know, go get some supplies from the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, this is probably a major uh, recession, and and half of us are on the street at that point if if uh, those stocks are going down. And then the neat thing about this is because I met this gentleman. His name is Omar, and his friend Matthew. Okay. And because I always like to learn from successful people. Yep. And these are some of the most successful people I met. Uh, Omar owns over 30 properties uh, with 100 plus doors. Yep. And he doesn't have a day job. Okay. He's the one teaching me to do this. Right. And I didn't believe him at first. No, I believed him that he was doing it. Yeah. I didn't believe I could do it. Mm-hmm. And then he said, and then about, uh, we ran into each other in Mississauga back in April. Okay. Um, and he was telling me, and he's telling me to do this again to do this. And he's just telling me to do this because it's made such a massive difference in his life and 50 other people he's taught how to do this. He's just trying to give back. He's so grateful for this. He's trying to t- tell everyone in the world to do this. The challenge is that many people don't think they can do it. So what Omar says to me is, you know Adriano? I go, yeah, Paisan. He's my electrician. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He rebarred my house, the, the house I mentioned that I'm renting out by the room for $800. Uh-huh. Right? He goes, oh, yeah, he's my electrician too. Yeah. I taught him too. He's made $120,000 in the last 12 months. Wow. And I, okay, you have my attention now. Yeah. <laughs> well, the stupid thing is, here's the worst, here's the stupid thing is, I, he told me about this two years ago. He's go, and I believed him, right? And he's like, go read these two books. I read the two books and then I did nothing. Okay. Right. Well, what, might as well tell everybody, what are the two books? Uh, first one is called Money for Nothing by Derek Foster. Okay. And the second book is uh, called Get Rich with Options by Les something, Les Thompson. I can look it up later. Okay. Like if, sure. you, if you just go to Amazon, yeah. Get Rich with Options, you're like, Lee Lowell, Lee Lowell. Okay. Uh, but again we know lots of people who read these books and the information has been out there forever. It's just the tweak of the strategy. That's, mm-hmm. that's the difference. Right. Well, it's the same thing in anything, right? I mean, it's like real estate investing. 
you know, a lot of people are listening to this podcast right now. They've been listening to this podcast and podcasts like this mm-hmm. for months, in some cases years, but they've not done anything yet. Right. They haven't bought any real estate. They haven't taken yeah. any action. So the knowledge, knowledge and information is not the problem at all. It, you know, in 2019, you can find out how to do anything and everything yeah. for free yeah. on the internet. Because you're sharing your own investments. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what you're doing, just do what Andrew does. Right. You'll, you'll probably end up <laughs> all right. Or, or, or a lot better than all right. But, uh, <laughs> but what, let, let's talk about mindset mm-hmm. in, in that respect. And what, um, you know, what, why, what is it that's stopping people and how do people get, get past that barrier? Going again back to keeping it keeping it on talking about real estate investing specifically like what what holds people back and in your opinion what is the thing that gets people to move forward and to make progress if i could answer that i think i'd be a lot richer <laughs> it, it's it's, yeah. it's bonkers we both would be we both would be because uh, that's what we do we, we both of us we talk to people every single day for yeah. for our for our sort of day job quote unquote about investing and some of them take action uh, and some uh, many of them do not yeah i'll give you an example most of my family have no real estate investments right and they have yep same very here. easy access to me right right <laughs> yeah and they got your number they, they have my number they, they know your website right and i can see friends it. with you on facebook <laughs> yeah they can, it's, i'm not hard to find yeah. <laughs> and i'll have frank conversations with my family and say because i can't talk to clients this way but you know, I'll usually it won't be very colorful language, and like, do you? Re- and I'll say things to like my cousin, for example, and I say, do you really think I can't make you successful tomorrow in a good property? Right. Right. It'll be the exact same stuff I buy. Yeah. And use the same property manager I use, same mortgage person I use, same everything. Right. And it'll be like a street over from my own property. Mm-hmm. Do you really think you won't be successful doing it? Right. And then they won't. I won't they won't take me over my offer. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't really know. I just think it's it's up to the in, it's the individual, right? Uh, how much pain they're willing to tolerate? Because yeah. this is a tough world, and it's getting only worse for everyone right. financially. Right. 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 Even if even if you don't rent today, you know there's a good chance that your kids might rent mm-hmm. or your parents might rent mm-hmm. when they want to downsize, mm-hmm. and rents are atrocious. Yes. Right. What's my, my cousin rented at a one plus one his condo on King Street West, uh, what just west of Spadina for twenty six hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. And then people like I don't I don't know, like every time I hear these things that that, like, that eats at me, like, good God. Yeah. <laughs> I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah. And here you were in two thousand five renting a, a a whole house on a detached house for like a thousand bucks a month. Yeah. Uh but it's just gonna continue. Rents are just gonna continue to rise. Uh, with the way immigration's going mm-hmm. and all the, because um, I have lots of builder friends and all the development charges are going up ab- across the map. And so we're, yep. and there's yep. not exactly more land. No. Right. And I remember there was even a, fr- you, you, t- you monitor this market closer than I do, but I remember there was like a freeze for like Midtown uh, Toronto because there wasn't enough sewer capacity for new projects. Right. Like there's all these things obstructing more supply coming online. And just the fact that we live where we live between a lake and the green belt mm-hmm. that restricts us all from building mm-hmm. and, yeah. and people will only drive so far because traffic yeah. is atrocious in this city. Yeah. 
it's so much worse. Like you, like you, you, you alluded to your one hour commute yeah. back in the day from what Burlington to downtown. Yeah. Hated it. But what would that commute be today? Oh, I was saying the go train. Oh, okay. So the go train, but, but the same, but if you're, dr- you're the driving commutes oh. t- today versus 10 years ago, way, way worse, way worse, but even way worse, train, double uh, in many cases. Like when you get a cancellation of a go train, ah. especially in the winter. Oh, like what do you do? <laughs> Right, so I you know I yeah. already pre-booked friends. Like, dude, if if, the, if there's no train, like I'm crashing at your place, okay? Okay, yeah. <laughs> right, but man, yeah. I've been I've been on trains, and then we have to get off at a stop, right? Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, right? Yeah, and it's just you, um, you know you've lost control. Yeah. What what do you what do you, what's the biggest challenge that you'd say you're facing as an investor? Like as you're looking to grow your portfolio today and and, and increase your wealth and, mm-hmm. and, and and exponentially you know turn turn your existing you know mm-hmm. portfolio mm-hmm. into more and more. What's the biggest challenge like that that you're that, that you see in front of you to to doing that? No different than everybody else. The lack of affordability. Like I mentioned, you know, bought our first house for one hundred fifty-four, five hundred fifty-six thousand in downtown Burlington. Yeah, you know, we didn't continue investing in Burlington. You, you probably put like five percent down as well. Probably, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fun thing, no, the fun. Remember thing those was, days, right? I was actually mortgage-free before thirty. Oh, really? It's wow. so little money. Right, right. right? It's like, yeah. Who's mortgage-free before thirty today? No. Right. It doesn't it doesn't happen? The there's a couple guys. There's a couple guys in Windsor, I think. There's, there's two guys. There's a Mike and there's a Frank. <laughs> but it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And so and we didn't invest in Burlington very long because became the market went up. We couldn't cash flow. So right. And we starting then we were investing in a place called Waterdown, which yep. is a suburb of Hamilton. Yep. And the prices went up. We yep. couldn't make new numbers work. We moved down to to uh, to Hamilton. Then. Yep. And then we were doing single families, and then again rents could no longer work. So then we are we had to force rents by doing things like student rentals and legal duplexes, but those are capital intensive and also more property management, all yep. those sorts of fun things. The basements flood. The basements can <laughs> flood, yeah. right? You're, you're more density, more density, uh, as in more people on a property usually means more problems. Yeah, right? parking and everything else. Parking and even just uh, interpersonal yep. issues, noise, pets, all those sorts of fun things. Uh, and so we've always continued to move further west or be more aggressive with the individual property mm-hmm. in terms of our strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you remember like five years ago, people could do quite well, like cash flow wise and uh, within even just on the fringes of the GTA. And now I see people picking up their families and moving to like Windsor mm-hmm. in order to get enough yield. So I, I still believe real estate is the best place to create wealth. Uh, the yield isn't there anymore as like it used to be the cash flow. Yeah. And I think everybody listening would agree with you. So a big question we're all wondering and what's your opinion on it? Where do we go from here? Where do you see the golden horseshoe region? Like where do you, where does this end? So, you know, that's how people like to ask you, you know, it's not going to end, but where, you know, where do you see things going? Like, are we, are we just becoming, more like a, a, you know, the Manhattan theory where it's just, we're just becoming a big, big world city and like other big, big world cities, Manhattan's, Hong Kong's, London, the, you know, like you said, there is just, there's no yield. Like the yield days are over. Uh, do you just keep going further and further out? Do you change your strategy? Um, wh- how, what do you think? 
I think interest rates are on their way down with the way the world's going. Like mm. the, e- <laughs> the European Central Bank, their their overnight lending rate I think is like point negative point five now. And Trump is saying he wants uh he wants to cut by a whole percentage point. Yep. Right. So and then Canada usually follows suit. So cheaper interest rates usually mean cheaper mortgages. Cheaper mortgages usually spurs the spurs the housing market. And I don't see an, I don't know where the end is. Like I my crystal ball is no better than anybody else. Right. But myself, I will invest in more real estate. It's just my expectations for yield have to change. Mm-hmm. Right. I was talking to someone today, just this week, about how they sold a triplex. A friend of theirs sold a triplex for two million dollars in the, the east side of Toronto. Right. I go, oh, what's that cash flow? He goes, oh, negative, way negative. Like a two million dollar triplex is negative cash flow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, like you said, you you know, and someone bought it. <laughs> you used to be able to buy single family homes that would cash flow and then it, okay, we got to do a duplex to get this thing to cash flow. Mm -hmm. And now we got triplexes that are not even cash flowing. Um, and that's, but then what's that's right across the golden horseshoe. But what's the alternative for investing? Right. Right. So the alternative for investing is I'm trying to earn yield by selling options, Mm -hmm. primarily to sell naked puts for anyone who knows, who knows a bit more about finance. Okay. Um, yeah. And then with, with the, with this naked put selling stuff, I haven't been this excited since like 2008 for an income replacement opportunity. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not recommending anything. This is <laughs> my own experience. You're having fun with this new. I'm not just having uh, fun. In a stream. And it's you're making money. I've collected <laughs> 6% in cash in my first month. And uh, my returns are like 3.3% as an absolute beginner. Okay. Right. I, I can't say I know this like I know my real estate. But my personally, my plans is this is where I will earn my yield. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. In so you're going. So you're gonna. It's not. You're continue to invest in real estate. Oh yeah, just, I'm not selling anything. But your. Um, if anything, I'm buying but, more. Yeah, but your 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 approach, your your expectation, has changed. I guess. My whereas before, whereas before, you were all about yields mm-hmm. and cash flow and how much is this thing paying right. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, on an ongoing basis every right. month. Now, your approach is, how would you describe your, with real estate? Is it just, it, it, if it pays for itself, I'm good? Yeah. That's it kind of thing? Yeah. yeah Buy and hold, pay for itself, forget about cash flow, I'm okay with, with break even. That kind of, Is that basically what you're saying? There is no other option. Because mm-hmm. I don't really want to go, I don't want to choose a different city to invest in. Like mm-hmm. my team is where the, like my teams are, my teams for my properties are St. Catharines yeah. and Hamilton primarily. I okay. don't want to, uh, I don't chase want, the yield to further and further yield. markets away. Yeah. Because that becomes more, now becomes more active. Right. Especially the type of properties that you're buying, which, yes. which like you said, they, they, yes. you're forcing a lot of appreciation. You're doing renovations. Right. You're, you're dealing with multiple tenants in a single place. Stuff, right. So you, you, it makes a lot of sense to, mm-hmm. for those properties to be mm-hmm. close to you. And I, I have property managers, mm-hmm. but still, you got to manage the managers. You got to manage the managers. You got to manage the handyman. You got and you got to manage renovations because mm-hmm. this, this the old rule still applies. You should be on site once a week mm-hmm. for your renovations. Right. So I am pretty stretched. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if anyone wow. doesn't realize that, I'm pretty stretched. Yeah. Versus the stock stuff, I can do it from my smartphone, thirty minutes a day. Interesting. To earn yield. Yeah. And. I'm not an accountant. I married one. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That helps. <laughs> uh, but because it's a small, it's a small part of my income. It's uh, it's capital gains. Right. right? Okay. 
and I, you know, my plan is to be no different than my electrician within, within 12 months. I want to be making the same money he does. Hmm. Right. Nice little six figure side business. Exactly. Nice. 30 minutes a day from my smartphone. Well, we'll check in in a year and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see, to. we'll see, uh, if you, if you hit it. Um, big reason why you're here as well and why we're having this conversation this time, of course, is you've got a very exciting project that you're working on as well. Speaking of, of one of the other many things that you're involved with. <laughs> so you've got something coming up that you really are excited to tell everybody who's listening about that they can also uh, participate in. So what is it? When is it? Hit us with, with the details on this. It's called the Wealth Hacker Conference. It, uh, like I mentioned earlier, there's three pillars to building wealth. This is a one day masterclass on teaching those things. Uh, for example, our, our business building experts, Tom and Karadza, they built their eight figure business starting from the floor of their garage, like literally from nothing to an eight figure business. And they've been named profit 500 business. Uh, so top, top 500 fastest growing companies in Canada. They've been named that three years in a row. There's pretty much no one better to teach this in Canada. We have a whole, uh, of course, we're going to talk about real estate investing because it still is the best place to, um, to invest and build wealth. It may not yield as much as it used to. Uh, so we have people like Russell Westcott, who's own, who owns over 100 properties with almost none of his own money in it. He's raised that money. So if anyone's concerned about not having down payments, here's a gentleman who's very good at raising money. We have Pierre, Pierre Paul Turgeon, again, for people chasing, needing more yield. I hear people, investors saying, I wish I did commercial real estate sooner. So Pierre Paul is going to be there. My wife's a real estate accountant. She's actually uh, in small business account. She's really, really popular. She's actually way more popular than I am. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to have her on the show, I, have, I, I might be able to pull some strings <laughs> with her. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, honestly, she, yeah, she was. On, I did have her on the show, actually. Oh, yeah. already? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a while back. We'll include a link to the episode with Cherry for this, on this podcast for sure. But yep. So who else is going to be at the conference? And then my friends Omar and Matthew. Um, when, when I ran into Omar, so Omar and Matthew, were the, they, we, we didn't want to scare people with how much money they make. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Because the thing is, like, I, if I tell people, like, oh, Adriana made uh, the, an electrician with no financial background. Uh, he made $120,000 in, in his first 12 months. People can believe that, right? They can, they can believe that. But Omar and Matthew, they make thousands of dollars a week from their smartphone. Yeah. Those bastards are in Portugal right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. And doing deals, like doing deals. Like, nice. Yeah. Um, and so, and they've taught over 50 of their friends. They've been doing this since like, uh, they've been doing, they've been doing stock options for, for about 12 years. Uh, it's, it's a really simple thing to do that anyone can honestly do. Uh, my friend who's a jazz guitarist is doing this as well, earning 3% a month with no financial background. You, you just have to be willing to learn. Uh, so they'll be, they'll be sharing this as well. And, and to honest to goodness, like the, everything that we're teaching is what I want to share with the world because there's, my podcast is called The Truth About Real Estate. There's so much BS out there. People being, people teaching like, like flipping. My favorite's when, you know, no, I'm not disparaging Americans, but I don't get when American investors come up here to teach us how to flip in Toronto. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different than Texas or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right, and they'll they'll they'll, yeah, so they'll you, tell you we don't have forty five thousand dollars houses here. No, <laughs> like that that two million dollar triplex was a flip. What kind of money you need for that? Yeah, you need a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
right? The, the, that, that was like a $1.1 million purchase. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But again, like this is, this is the conference I've always wanted to give mm. because it's what I would have wanted to see when I was 20 years old. Mm. And, but honestly, goodness, this will help anybody. I love it. Yeah. So this is, you're, you're producing the conference that you wish you had when you were 20 years old. Yeah. I love it. That should be your tagline if it, if it isn't already. <laughs> um, and, but you have a very special guest as well coming. Oh yeah. Who Just is drum roll. <laughs> His name's Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone. Yeah. So he's a five, he's written five books. I think two or three are best New York times, bestselling, bestselling uh, books. He's, he's the leader of the 10 X movement. Uh, he's got, you know, combined YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, probably around 15 million followers. Uh, his businesses combined for about, uh, he posted just on Instagram. He likes to, he's showy trying to get attention, but he posted on Instagram, 117 million, I think is what his, his companies bring in uh, annually. Wow. And that's US dollars. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he's a sales yeah. and marketing genius and his own real estate business has yeah. uh, $1.2 billion assets under management. Wow. Yeah. So he's for real. Uh, when we polled people who, who would get people out of their butts, who would get off their couch and go buy tickets to go see. Yeah. He, he pulled the highest. Awesome. Um, we're fans of his work as well. We were yeah. in Miami for the growth you've, conference. Yeah. I was going to say, you've been to his conferences. Yeah. You've, you've, I think, I guess, learned a lot from him personally in, in terms of mm -hmm. uh, investing and mindset. Yeah. Like the 10X mindset and you were asking me about mindset. First people have to be willing to, to, to adopt mindsets. So I what I love about the 10X mindset is it's really simple uh, as in, for anyone who wants to do some mind simple mindset exercises, think about what you want and then times that by 10. Say you want to buy one investment property, two investment properties. Now think about what 10 or 20 looks like. How do you have to get there? What model do you have to follow? What people do you have to know? How much money you need to make? How much down payment money you have to make? How are you going to raise that money? Because maybe you end up at five properties, but it's better than one or two but at least you, you stretched your mind to reach further because you, that's the first step you have to reach further in order to get anywhere. Right. Even if you like, if you plan to travel around the world, if you end up in like, I don't know, uh, say France, that's still pretty good. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe you didn't achieve your goal, but at least you got a lot further than you would have if you just versus sticking with your original mindset. Right. Because when I was young, when I was a young, when I, when I was learning about real estate, oh, I want a hundred properties. I ended up with ten. Right. right? <laughs> but it's pretty good to own ten properties. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Awesome. Um, so Wealth Hacker Conference yep. is the name of it. The yep. website is wealthhacker.ca. Very real, simple. simple. Wealthhacker.ca. The date is November 9th at the Toronto Congress Center. It's a big facility, uh, again, November 9th this year, <laughs> 2019. 2019, November 9th, Toronto Congress Center. Yep. And uh, you've been very gracious. You have a special offer for True Condos listeners. And what is that? Yep. So the promo code, if you go to wealthhacker.ca, um, then we have a promo code for fans of the show because I've known you for years. This yep. has been a long time coming. Yes. You're coming on my show after the event when, yep. I, when I'm when less. When you have some time. When I have some time. <laughs> Sorry, not to delay. Promo code is True Condos. Yep. So that's plural. Yeah, True Condos. So just enter in the promo code True Condos 
at wealthhacker.ca to get your tickets. Yeah, wealthhacker.ca will lead, will bring you to uh, Eventbrite, which is our ticketing uh, application. And within um, within Eventbrite, so you'll usually see at the top a little hyperlink for enter promo code. That's where you enter True Condos. Right. And uh, and I provided you a link as well for anyone uh, looking for in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, and they're getting. Oh, if again, they do that, what do they get? Ten percent <laughs> off the ticket price. Oh, okay, nice. Ten percent, mm-hmm. awesome. And if, just yeah, and just to be clear, everybody listening, I don't get anything from this. This is purely just Irwin uh, being generous and offering you guys listening. So, if you're interested in this conference, Wealth Hacker Conference, uh, no, November 9th, Toronto Congress Center, WealthHacker.ca, enter in the code True Condos for ten percent discount on your tickets. Erwin, uh, anything else that you want to, I mean, uh, where, where else can people find you, reach you? I mean, obviously you've got a podcast mm-hmm. as well. What's, what's the best place for people to go to, to get to know you better and to hear from you more? I've got a lot of things going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, my podcast is a good place to start. Truth about real estate investing.ca. That's the, the my website for my, my uh, podcast. I also have a charity. My wife and I started to re- have our own registered charity since 2014. Um, Everything that we do, I've been put on this planet to, I think, to help people. And, you know, if we have time, like, can I share a mindset thing? Absolutely. Um, so yeah. one, of my, one, of my, one of my early me- earliest mentors was Brian Tracy, introduced to me by my, my ex's father, my ex-father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Now. And, and in his book, um, Psychology of Success, he, he walks you through this exercise. So, you know, go somewhere quiet, think about... So forget all the BS that you tell yourself, forget all the BS anyone else has told you, what are you capable of? And then how many people would you help if you achieve those levels? So my mind, I was like, I'm okay. I can help. I can help probably a good lot, good number of people. Right. Just, just like, like Bill Gates, for example, writes a check for 300, $300 million. He's going to wipe out polio. Right. I can't do that. But that's my, that's my mindset though. I can, I can donate a lot of, I can think I can make a lot of money to donate a lot of money. And then Brian Tracy takes it all away. What if you don't do this? Then all those awful things that happen are your fault. Right? If Bill Gates never happens, we don't wipe out polio. Right. It's on, and then, and then it's on, and then for everyone listening, think of all the good things you can do. Because people say money, some people have said money is the root of all evil. Money really amplifies who you really are. So with more money, I can do more charity, right? So that's my, that's, that's who I am. But what if I don't? So my dream is, one of my, my early visions is I'll leave $5 million behind to my charity to start a foundation. So then uh, I'm hoping Omar Matthew, the stock option guys, will trade my account, that account for me when I'm gone to earn, earn 10%. So $500,000 operating budget. I can feed a lot of families with $500,000 operating budget. But then I take it all away. What if I don't do it? All those people don't eat because of me. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a powerful mindset uh, uh, approach. Yeah, <laughs> it is hard though because you're taking a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I mean it. It it, uh, it obviously puts puts uh, puts things in perspective, puts a lot of weight on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you're saying for you, it's helped you get off your butt, so to speak, get out of the yeah. chair and because when a basement get floods, doing stuff understands it's, this is bigger than me, mm-hmm. right? My basement floods, 
I'll get by because the bigger mission is more important than a base, my basement flooding. Hmm. Right. And then even just simply, you know, I've had these, I'm a, I have a, I have a vivid imagination. You have kids. I have kids. A lot of people listening probably have kids. Mm-hmm. I think about, so I think positive things too. I'm not just a negative person, but I've had, I've had those visions in my head of my kids not being able to eat. Right. That's and heavy. Heavy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then I get angry. Okay. And then I get, yeah. when I'm angry, I get motivated. Nice. Right. And I do, po- I have positive thoughts as well. Yeah. Good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it, it goes to, like you said, it, it goes to mindset. It goes to motivation. It goes to, um, we all have goals. We all have dreams. We all have ambitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's how do we, how do we, how do we get there? How do we achieve them? And so. I say do whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah. Whatever mindset works for you. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that mindset, try something else. Right. Right. It's no different than exercise. Like what's your favorite exercise? Or like work like do you cycle? You like to run? Uh yeah, I mean I have four kids, zero time. So exercise is uh <laughs> <laughs> exercise is one of my ambitions to have. Right. But you're trim. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that whatever you're doing is working for you. And I won't work for everyone. Right. I do when I'm not doing events, I do jujitsu and CrossFit. It's not for everyone. Right. Some people like to go running. I don't like running. Right. Some people like to go swimming. I don't like swimming. Right. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Just do whatever it takes to get you closer to your goal. Right. 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 Yeah. Awesome. And, yeah. And then if people are looking, if people want more wealth in our lives, uh, wealthhacker.ca. Awesome. Wealthhacker.ca conference coming up. Uh, and we'll definitely include a link in the show notes to that and to um, Irwin's podcast and everything else we talked about on the show. Thank you so much, Irwin, for being here today. And uh, all the best with the conference coming up. Thank you. Honored to be on the show. Awesome. Long time coming. Awesome. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.